Hello, plantpreneurs, and welcome to Series 4 of the Plant-Based Business Podcast brought to you by us here at Vivolution. I'm Eric Amundsen, your co-host, and welcome to one of our mini-episodes where we will hear from a startup's success story. Tune in each week to hear from a founder who has found funding utilizing the Vivolution investment marketplace. Hey, Eric here. Thanks for listening. A quick word from our sponsor, Plant Belly. There are so many vegan grocery products out there nowadays, and it's amazing. But with all these options comes a lot of trial and error to find the best of the best. It happens to all of us. You buy something that ends up being a little disappointing. But what if you could have all the best vegan products put together in one place and shop them easily on your phone or from home? That's where plantbelly.com comes in. It's a new online vegan grocery store that delivers highly curated plant-based foods right to your door. Plantbelly has hands down the best selection of outstanding plant-based foods I've ever seen. I especially love that you can shop by ethos to find brands owned by women or BIPOC makers. I, for example, always search the latest seafood or deli products. It's a great selection. Plantbelly.com is a team of foodies, vegans, and passionate supporters of small batch makers. And they've handpicked only the tastiest plant-based eats to feature on plantbelly.com. You can use code VEVOLUTION to get 20% off your first order at plantbelly.com. That's V-E-V-O-L-U-T-I-O-N to get 20% off your first order when you visit plantbelly.com. Now back to the show. Eric Amundsen here, and today I'm joined by Darko Mandich, co-founder and CEO of MeliBio. MeliBio makes real honey, but without the bees. Darko, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Eric. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to uh, address the Vivolution audience and all the plant-based and alternative uh, food uh, world. Very exciting to be today, and uh, yeah, I look forward to our chat. Yeah, thanks for thanks for being here. I mean, let's get right into it. Let's start with the problem that humanity and the world is facing today that that I think fuels Meli Bio. Why do we need bees? You know, what's happening to the world's greatest pollinators? Explain to us in general what the problem is. Yeah, thanks for that question. And let's talk about two things and see how they, those interact. And um, first, let's talk about bees. And then secondly, let's talk about honey. So in terms of uh, bees, um, you know, if bees would die, this planet would look way more different than what it looks like now. There are stories around um, possibilities of planet Earth looking like a desert or something like Mars. Then in that case, I wonder, do we need Elon to take us to Mars or are we just... Uh, neglect our bees and have the Mars on planet Earth. I hope that no one wants that because bees make our planet green and they pollinate uh, many crops out there and they provide us essentially the food. So what's happening with the bees, there are three major reasons that are affecting the well-being and existence of the bees on this planet. And two particular reasons are familiar with uh, general public. And one is something that has shown to be very impactful lately and that Malibio is bringing up as part of our why of the story. So there are people know about, you know, climate change, people know about the overuse of pesticides and that negatively affecting the bees, but
But what general public actually don't know, which is even more important is that, and brace yourselves, bees make other bees disappear. So honeybees are the only species of bees that we use for honey production and uh, you know, um, directed pollination. Those are actually European honeybees or Apis mellifera. That's the name of the species. So with the rising demand for honey and the needs for uh, you know, managed pollination, what happened is that humankind has introduced more and more beehives and started doing that in a very progressive way in the last couple of years. So that number of beehives containing honeybees is making 20,000 wild and native bee species disappear because honeybees are competing with those for limited resources. Uh, honeybees make them not to have access to food and essentially disappear. And those wild and native bee species are the key to our bee biodiversity. And bee biodiversity is necessary because honeybees are just the specific pollinators, not a generalist as bumblebees or, and that's something that we need to address. On the other side, you have something that's honey. So thousands of years old honey found in Egyptian pyramids was edible. It's one of the most amazing uh, creations of the nature, something that we can use as, as part of the food, beverage, cosmetics, something very closest to perfection that humans actually consume. And by the way, a $10 billion industry. So we thought that with our approach to be the world's first company to use science and technology to make real honey without bees, we actually directly help companies switch to our honey, therefore, the pressure of, on wild and ATB species is being reduced so that bio, bee biodiversity can thrive. And on the other side, making real honey without bees, we keep the perfection of the taste, application, composition, nutrition of the product. And finally, we make, we make the, one of the human's most favorite ingredient to be vegan-friendly, vegan, plant-based. So, you know, we believe that we fed uh, many pigeons with, with one scone. What is, what is your background? What's your professional background like? Do you think that you were always supposed to become an entrepreneur? Or do you think that that was always going to be a part of your journey? My grandma is an entrepreneur, my father, my mother, and my brother. So for me, wow. uh, for me, breaking that would be really, really hard. And uh, <laughs> it's not like that I have that as kind of a pressure of the family or any kind of burden. It's just the environment where I grew up. But something that's more important in my background story that um, probably might shock some of you or surprise you is that I spent eight years uh, selling honey coming from the bees to wow. the largest uh, food companies in the world. Um, so I'm an industry insider and, uh, and uh, honey is something and bees is something that was really, really dear to my heart. And uh, you wonder, how is it that a person dealing with bees and selling you know, honey in more than 10 countries across the world, uh, what, what has happened so that you know, there's a new approach and new idea? Two and a half years ago, I was reading articles about bees and honey, and there was this article in Wired magazine that goes like, you are worrying about wrong bees. I was like, wrong bees? 
what's wrong bees <laughs> and that's the moment that article was my introduction into the whole new world of studies that are showing that honeybees will never go extinct because essentially humans um, control their numbers you know there's like uh, i think uh, trillions of, of, of honeybees out there in the world but national geographic is reporting that we lost 25% of species of wild and native bees in the last 25 or 30 years. So I am a pure evidence as a person that I've joined an industry that I didn't know, that I fell in love, that I liked, and that I fell in love in one story of that industry. I was essentially uh, primed for what industry has the best in their interest, you know? And I, I was liking it. I was really liking selling honey, making honey. But only after I realized how damaging it is, I decided to change. And um, me speaking up about this is sending the message out there that there should be no judgment for people who decide to kind of become aware of what's going around them. Because, you know, very often, you know, I'm vegan. And very often, you know, passionately vegans want to have probably everyone becoming vegan, you know, that would be the goal. But sometimes it's not in a way that certain people feel like they're excluded. So for all of you out there, I just want to tell you that there's an opportunity, no matter what you've done in your life up to up today, up to the moment you're listening to this podcast. If from now on you decide to think into things, that really counts. Right. Me going through this transformation was uh, very powerful for me, very important. Um, and I really wanted to bring the best of the bees, the, the bee story out there and best of the honey. But the whole idea is, Eric, that we can change, especially a call for people out there in all the animal industries. You are the insiders. You know right. what's going on. You have the power to bring the change for better. I think you highlighted very well. I think that, that the change can be uncommon. The change can be unexpected. It can come from anyone, even someone who, you know, is, is, is maybe on the other side of what we think uh, it is. And so your life was changed. You started to go through this change. How did MeliBio start? What is MeliBio? What, what, are the, what is the product that you all have? You know, how did you get from, from the, this idea to, to step one, step two? So it started when I moved from Serbia, where I grew up and spent most of my life. Uh, uh, when I moved to San Francisco, California, me and my wife, we came here with two backpacks, some savings from, from previous, previously existed endeavors. And uh, we came to a city, to a town where we literally didn't know anyone. Not even, not even like a, a friend of a friend, literally not knowing anyone, just because we believed that San Francisco is the place to be. Had you moved to San Francisco intentionally after you had decided to start MeliBio? Like, had you had this idea and you're like, oh, that is the place where I'm going to, you know, be surrounded by the best opportunity? Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. <laughs> so idea was uh, boiling in my mind when I was, uh, when I was in Serbia. Uh, of course, I didn't, I didn't tell that to anyone in Serbia because, uh, yeah. you know, that's, uh, that's, that's a cool place, but not for crazy ideas because being crazy there means you're crazy. Being crazy in California means 
means uh, you are changing something, you know? So soon after I came to San Francisco, I realized all the companies have co-founders because, you know, it's a lonely journey. It's hard. You need a partner. You need a shoulder to cry on. You need someone to run your ideas by, someone to tell you where gaps are. And I realized, of course, I know everything about honey. I just don't know how to make it without bees. So my, my next thing was, okay, how do I find a, a person who will help me make it? So I decided to uh, visit some meetups. There were meetups going on in the town. There was a GFI meetup. There were startup CPG, all these kinds of cool meetups. And at one of these meetups, I met my um, co-founder, Aaron, um, American scientist, uh, finishing his PhD at UC Berkeley. Uh, I approached a bunch of people from UC Berkeley. Um, and I said, hey guys, I just came from Serbia, moved here. Um, I have 10 years, I have eight years at that time experience in the honey industry and I want to change it. I want to make it without bees. And Aaron said, oh, wow, that sounds really crazy. I was like, yeah, this is the place for crazy ideas. That was my, that was my response. And we started talking and then he shared with me his story growing up as a Californian in a family that appreciates gardening, permaculture, almost went to culinary school instead of uh, graduate school and always feeling like he wanted to do hard science and also to, to work with the food and plants. Mm. And he told me, hey, I don't want to do pharma. I want right. to do something exciting. And I was like, what do you think about looking into honey without bees? Like, look into it. You know, you're a scientist. Read some uh, materials. Let me know what you think. And he was like, I'll do that. And, um, you know, we met a week after that. And then we met a couple of times. And then we started a partnership that was really amazing you know you know for for a total stranger to come to california you know from eastern europe it's um it's like uh you know these stories that you read in those books from silicon valley but you read them you love how they inspire you but you never know if they're really true you know and uh having that true story in in california was really amazing uh we started Mali bio together we bootstrapped the company for the first five months essentially putting around $40,000 of our own money because we felt like we wanted to design something, work on the concept. And in the end, we pitched the concept of the world's first B2B honey company making real honey without bees. And that pitch got us into amazing uh, Big Idea Ventures Accelerator program that became our first investor two years ago. That sort of is the origin story. You had met your teammate you know, you, you, you got a, a far enough along the process that you were able to get into big idea ventures and you've been busy, you know, you've had a few funding rounds, new team members, new kitchens and facilities, you know, a lot of excitement in the press. There's not a lot of companies doing what you're doing. I think there's a couple, you know, there's a few, how are you moving forward step-by-step step with these challenges and how are you, you know, progressing and just when you reflect on everything that has happened, how do you just keep your head on and what advice do you have to other entrepreneurs who are about to face sort of just that hard work? I was really happy when I saw other companies joining the space. Hmm. Being world's first company is really, really cool. But being world's only honey company making honey without bees doesn't feel encouraging for our why and for the reason why we started Melibio. So seeing competitors coming out from East Coast, US or Israel you know, I was really happy to see them all. And I'm, I would be happy to see more companies because food industry is not 
a one winner takes it all. Just look how many food companies out there, how many brands, how many approaches, how many geographies. So um, I think um, what people really need to have is a really positive mindset, really positive thinking about changing the whole industry and welcoming competition. Competition is good. Competition is essentially making industries better and making companies better, providing companies focus on either geographies, approaches, products, and stuff like that. So I was really happy to see that we are not the only honey company in the world making uh, honey without bees. Um, so, I mean, in terms of fundraising, uh, fundraising is really hard, you know. Uh, at the same time, you need to run a company, build a team, um, hit some early milestones, and then fundraise. And it's, you know, it's very, 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 very challenging and uh, time intensive. And um, for me, it took me time to understand uh, the nuances of it, you know. Um, we, you know, different industries require different tweaks of the story. And uh, I remember when I would be doing my early pitches, I would talk to investors and I would just overwhelm them. I would use like 25 minutes of a 30 minute call yeah. and I would tell them literally everything, like, like a waterfall. I would be unleashing that onto them. And then, you know, from, from time working with other, um, you know, founders, getting mentors, coaches, uh, also through the Big Idea Ventures Accelerator program, I realized that, you know, uh, getting investment is an art in a way. Of course, it's science and technical work, but it's also an art. So understanding how to talk to investors. So um, I started by understanding the VC industry. You know, I was like, okay, if I'm, if I want to get funds from people in the VC industry, let me understand how they work. And then that's the moment when I learned about stuff like thesis, LPs, GPs, um, fund maturity, uh, percentage of deployment, evergreen or this or that. And when I learned about that, then I came up with a framework that worked really, really well for Melibio, where when I would talk to investors before I tell about our company, I would make sure to understand what are they really interested in. Of course, company has one story, but look, the story of honey without bees could be told with the environmental emphasis, with supply chain emphasis, quality, price, plant-based, vegan, fermentation, you know, there's all, all these kinds of approaches. So for me, learning about thesis, getting to know funds before I pitch them was really crucial. And then when I get to pitch Melly Bio, I would use that 30 minutes to focus on things that they really care about. We have 50 investors right now from more than 10 countries in the world and every due diligence process was different. Of course, there were some that were more lengthy, some that were, you know, uh, maybe a call or two, but that was like a separate conversation. Yeah. So this week, you finally and officially announced your seed round. So congratulations. You know, we're happy to report Devolution was able to help a little bit with our investment marketplace. Um, can you tell us what, you know, Devolution was like for you? Um, was it easy to find investors with Evolution? How long did it take? You know, what was the platform like? And, you know, just to give our audience an idea of, of how that, you know, how our platform can be useful to them. 
the Vivolution part was really, really important to us early on because when you structure a, a, a seed round as big as 5.7 million, which is on a, on a higher end of the seed round uh, seen uh, recently, you need to have different kind of investors and uh, you, there's a lot of space that you need to fill out. So Vivolution really helped us to connect with mission-driven angel investors early on in the round that actually can really make a decision after 30 minutes call. They, they look into the data room. So, you know, Vivolution made everything so easy where I could just add a link to the data room, upload this. The profile was there, very modern UX, UI. And, you know, investors started reaching out and um, those investors are all mission-driven, amazing angels. Um, they really wanna understand why you are doing this. And, you know, talking to them was a little bit more different than talking to these institutional VCs where you get very deep and in details like numbers and, you know, technical stuff. And the conversation with Revolution people was around, you know, uh, the mission and the why. And we got support from a couple of investors from Revolution, uh, really, really great people. I'm really, really happy that you guys made this very streamlined um, and that you essentially democratize the conversation between investors and awesome founders, especially in early stages. I know myself when I came to San Francisco, I didn't, I was not VC ready. I didn't, I didn't have the nuances that VCs in San Francisco or United States would appreciate. We got an opportunity to talk to these mission-driven angel investors who look into you, who you are and why you want to do something. And they actually conversations with them help you structure yourself in a way that you can talk to um, any VC later on. A lot ahead of you uh, and a lot that has happened that's behind you. Do you have any final tips for other startups who are just starting out or who are just starting their fundraising journey in general? It doesn't have to be fundraising related, but you know, what are you doing personally to kind of just keep moving forward? And what do you wish that you would have known, you know, a few years, a few years back when you started? Being a founder is, is really, really hard. And uh, I, I want all of you guys out there to uh, really think of that. It's really hard. You know, you need to be kind to yourself. You need to recognize that from the get-go, you're doing something which is really, really hard. And when you appreciate that, when the, when the hard days come and when the roller coaster goes down, you just know that it's hard and you just stay there. Most of the success is showing up and enduring. <laughs> Plan for more time. Fundraise when you have money in the bank. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I did is I made sure that I have a screenshot of our bank account in the data room so that all the investors out there are aware that we have a runway hmm. and that we have a tight timeline. And if they drag the process, we're going to find someone who doesn't want to drag the I process. I love that. And someone, because it's a two-way street, guys. Don't be putting yourself under the investors. Never do that. It's an opportunity for them. You're not taking their money. You're giving a precious part of your vision and yourself and your team and your work and your previous work and yourself in exchange for the fuel, which is money. That will, it's a two-way street. Run away from investors 
that have bad reputation, that other founders cannot say that they're great, run away from them. There's plenty of capital out there. Capital is a commodity. There's plenty of it out there. Find the ones that you vibe with, that you match with. Also talk to other founders. I, it's very rarely to find a founder that doesn't want to share their feedback because we're also doing that. As I'm giving guidance to pre-seed founders, I'm also asking guidance for Series A founders. You know, it's, it's a community out there as Vivolution is building the community. So reach out to people, reach out to me, always happy to help and make sure that you be strategic about fundraising when you have money and finding investors that you believe you'll create a long and lasting relationship. Last question for you. What are, what are a few of your favorite ways to eat honey? Oh, by far. It's the most honey forward dish that exists in the world. Wow, here we go. Called, yeah, and it's called baklava. It, it comes from Middle East, Turkey. Also, it has been served in, in Serbia, where I come from. Uh, so it's really, it's a phyllo dough with nuts soaked in honey. <laughs> like, like that's, that's by far my favorite thing. My wife makes amazing baklavas. Um, and we served it at, at, at some of the events, and, and, and I love it. I am extremely hungry now. Darko, is, it was really great to have you. Um, Meli Bio is really accomplishing something amazing. I'm just so glad that we were able to chat and tell your story and for everything that you've accomplished. So just thanks for being on the Plant-Based Business Podcast, and I'll see you soon. Thanks for having me, Eric. Uh, good luck with Vivolution. Thanks for building the awesome community. Thank you so much. Hello, Eric here, and thanks for listening to this episode of the Plant-Based Business Podcast brought to you by us here at Vivolution. We're building the world's leading plant-based and set lag community and marketplace. Head on over to www.vivolution.com to join our marketplace of investors and startups building solutions for a brighter future. In 2021, more than 25 startups secured partial or full round funding on Vivolution. And if you enjoyed the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a positive review. And please consider sharing it on your preferred social media channels. It really helps more people discover the positive stories we're sharing from around the world. Please give us a shout and tag us when you tell others about the podcast. You can find us on all social media channels at Vivolution. And you can email us at hello at Vivolution.com if you want to reach out. We love hearing from our listeners. As always, thank you to Bridie Allison Child, who edits the podcast, and all of our guests and you, our listeners, for supporting the show. See you next time.